0: All right, great stuff there, Jim Nance. Listen, I've got one of my good friends from golf media, Brendan Porath. You've heard him. You've seen him on Golf Channel, Morning Drive, but you hear him all the time on the Shotgun Star podcast with Andy Johnson. Those guys are one hell of a duo in golf. Uh, But listen, Brendan's great. I actually met brendan i want to say we walked at augusta the famous year that tiger woods won in 2019 right i mean come on this is like textbook storybook stuff you tell your grandkids so we caught tiger on the back nine on 10 and we walked down that steep fairway together it was friday second round and just just walking with Brendan, we talked. Well, we both knew we, we were from the same area in D.C. We lived in D.C. at the time. Of course, he's from Cleveland. I'm from Sacramento, California. But listen, man, like, just a great dude. He loves the game, and you follow him on Twitter at Brendan Porath. This guy has some amazing tweets, some funny photos. Uh, this guy, there's this. There are no limits with his comedy and how he covers golf, and comments about golf, and just a great follow on Twitter. But we're going to get here to Brendan Porath in just a minute, We get into predictions for the PGA Tour season for 2021, the majors. Before we get to that, Encore Golf, check them out. Listen, Josh Allen, we want to talk about great underdog stories. Josh Allen plays Encore Golf golf balls, okay? They're from th- that part of New York, is where Encore Golf is from, and dude, he loves them. He, he was wearing an Encore Golf hat, during Monday Night Football, during a post-interview uh, on Sports Center and Monday Night Football. This guy is into it. It was a couple weeks ago. These are great golf balls. The Vero X1 I've been playing for, gosh, I want to say three months. And I love the distance. I've added 15 yards off the tee, which changes the entire game for me. Shorter approach shots? Yes, sir. Sign me up. Anyway, check them out on Twitter, at Encore Golf, as well as Instagram. Huge presence on Instagram. Some really good deals. Uh, that you'll find on social media with their golf balls. Great stuff. Check them out, EncoreGolf.com. Let's get to Brendan Porath. This is a fun interview here on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, I am joined by my next guest. i got Brendan Porath. Of course, you see him all over Twitter, at Brendan Porath. He is a co-host of Shotgun Start, possibly the best podcast in all of golf podcasts right now. It is really engaging. Andy Johnson, of course, is his co-host as well. And Brendan, dude, what's going on? How are you, man?
1: Not much. I'm, I'm good. How are you, Garrett? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
0: You got it, buddy. And you know what? 2021, here we are. I mean, there are so many players. I mean, we're blessed. This is not 2004 at the Buick Classic when it's Tiger Woods and maybe sergio and maybe uh vj singh making a run at it i mean you've got all all kinds of players and personalities right now so so what are you looking at as we look at 2021 what stands out to you as a couple of players that are interesting storylines
1: uh i mean i think it's it's the top of the world rankings it feels like you know, we're in such a unique season because the last one just ended, right? We had a Masters like a month ago now, maybe, you know, six to eight weeks. So it seems like we just roll over, right? Um, I think Dustin Johnson is sort of the, the number one player in the world. Everybody should have their eye on Bryson DeChambeau. I think like the big tension this year will be uh Bryson's continued the, the speed wars right there's so many more guys coming like Bryson that didn't bulk up you know put 40 60 pounds on in a year or whatever they're just learning the game that way and didn't have to do it uh but have coming coming with 200 mile per hour ball speed and things like that uh, so I think that constant tension uh with Bryson and whatever we're going to get in this distance insights not report but action hopefully of some sort uh whether that's I don't know. We'll see what the action is from the RNA and USGA, but I think that's going to be the constant tension this year. Dustin Johnson, number one in the world, who's he's, um, you know, an old man for the current, in the current game, and seeing what, when he's at his best, as he, I think we're coming to some consensus that he is the best player in the world when he's clicking. I don't think he's coming into the year like that. I think he's been hanging out, drinking tequila, partying, having a good time, as this is right, and as he should have done. Uh, I saw an interview with him yesterday from Kapalua with Todd Lewis, where he's just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really been practicing. I came over here to hang out. And uh, so I think DJ is obviously the top storyline. And then that that whole distance issue in in the frame
0: and lens of uh, Bryson's in in the Speed Wars, so to speak. Yes, well, you mentioned DJ. I got to get an idea from you. What is your mentality with your tweets because you saw where he said there's no off season and then you quote tweeted it and you showed a picture of him with paulina and it was hilarious there he was on a boat like well, what are you looking at when you tweet in general uh,
1: oh oh nah, that's a
0: <laughs> Worms.
1: that's a scary question <laughs> nothing i don't know i'm not looking at anything that's looking to go dar- into the dark Dark, deep, twisted recesses of my eye. No, I think I retweeted Ben Coley on that one. A brilliant mind over from across the pond, handicapper, punter, maybe as they use the term over there. Uh yeah, no, he, he was like it was some tailor made ad about you know there is no off season when I think like DJ is quite clearly had an off season as he should have. Like I said, he should kick back and enjoy himself, and uh, maybe he does that during the season. I don't know, but um, yeah, that that's all it was. No mentality to any of the tweets. Just just shared what I thought was amusing. Screen capture of one of those TikToks with Paulina that that I think Penn Coley, who sh- you should follow on Twitter, maybe not me, but uh, th- that's
0: all that was. So. I love it. Hey, John Rahm, big time player. You you tweeted about him and how the the, the headlines. We, we should look at the alternate headline that he got to world number one with made clubs. You know, everybody's so sensational. Oh my gosh, he's struck fifty nine with the new Callaways. Wow, wow, wow. What do you think about Rahm and that whole move right now?
1: Uh, I think, you know, he's number, he got to number one in the world last year. Go get, go get the bag. Go get your money. It's fine. Um, I think like the way we promote it uh, when we're supposed to be otherwise independent media, which is, uh, I don't know, a, a dwindling landscape these days in golf. But uh, I, I think that's fine. Kelly makes fine stuff. Taylor maybe makes fine stuff. The point is, John is really, really good at golf. And we don't need to talk, you know, we don't need to just copy paste the, press release into editorial (laughs) about how to switch i think it's a newsworthy item that's not to say it's not newsworthy uh but i think the way we frame it and talk about it needs to tempt ourselves needs to have some checks i think you know will gray had a similar tweet yesterday to this um we're talking on tuesday here but like we've seen adjustment period for even people as talented as john robb when they switch equipment that's not to say he's downgrading not to say he's upgrading it's just a change um I uh, think we've seen it when Rory went to Nike. We, um, we see it like all the time, really when guys, when they're at really at their peak, I'd say Rom is a great player. He'll continue to be great. Uh, but I think, you know, the way, the way we frame some of these equipment deals as like, this is going to change the game or he's already shot 59. Well, like the alternate headline, like I said, is he already got to number one in the world with the other stuff too. We don't need to promote it. It's newsworthy. Um, that doesn't, I mean, he's not getting great stuff. He's going to get good stuff. Kelly makes great stuff. His old compa- that's, that's. I have no dog in that fight, but I, I do have a sort of an interest in how we, we portray this from a, a content creation and media perspective when we're maybe not supposed to be, uh, I don't know, voices of promotion. So that's
0: all. Yeah, let's revisit voices of promotion in just a second. When you talk about Rory going to Nike, my, one of my all-time favorite one-on-ones in my career was 2013 at the Hope. And the, Gary Player, I, I had him for five minutes, and Rory had just switched. And I said, Gary, tell me what you think about this yeah. switch. And he was like, Garrett, this is crazy. Why would he do that as number one player in the world? With that being said, if I was offered that kind of money, I'd find a way to hit a broomstick, okay? That's yeah. my club. Yeah. Like, I'd find a way to do it. So even yeah. at, at 80 years old, Gary understood the importance of, hey, you got to adapt. You got to take the money when you have that, that those contracts. This is not – basketball with like you know the cleveland cavaliers you get your guaranteed contract from my sacramento kings your guaranteed contract this is a different kind of world where um you know if you get it from sponsors you, you've got to go for it
1: i think we saw that with justin rose too i mean a couple of years ago with jo- uh anma um you know he's getting up into his 40s and like this was maybe he had just gotten a number one in the world like just go get it i'm not faulting them at all like that's the perk of playing that great of golf and, and and you know achieving whatever it is number one in the world like that go get it like you've done that you've achieved it go get your endorsement money that's not it's not a criticism in any way it's just how we portray it and i think that's a right and a perk for playing that good of golf
0: we talk about how we portray it in golf media you've mentioned in the past that things are kind of dwindling in terms of just be honest opinion and not just kind of going with whatever the brand is saying there what is your thought on that right now what what do we need to do or what would you like to see here in 2021 what's a fresh kind of voice on things
1: um i don't know i mean i i I, i'm not even like a young idealist anymore i got like four kids under seven i'm in my mid mid to late 30s even like so i'm not trying to like rage against the machine here but uh like it just seems like in golf uh, compared to other media like that any sort of honest opinion or critical it doesn't even have to be critical it just has to be not you know the roses and sunshine or you know here's the puppies and an autograph for a kid all the time i i don't know like everybody the tour has certainly puts its thumb on the scale as a cliche i like to use a lot and um i i don't know that it seems like every every voice or outlet covering golf these days is entangled whether it's with the meteorites with the tour or it's you know Bryson has a stake in a magazine or Tiger has a stake in a magazine or a TV platform, or Rory has a stake in a a platform, whatever it is. Like that's, that's all right. I think it it inhibits our ability to talk honestly sometimes about those people. Uh, I think it's much, much more pervasive and then in golf. And then of course you have the equipment companies, which are the sugar daddies for a lot of these media companies. And then you also are supposed to be covering equipment and players playing that equipment. So I think like, It presents an issue in golf more so than in, uh, I would say, other sports. There are certainly the NFL puts some on the scale with media partners. That's not, it's not unique to golf at all. I just say it's more pervasive in golf. Um, Now that doesn't mean there's not good stuff. All those places are producing like really, really high quality stuff. I would say um, that I just alluded to indirectly, maybe golf. Digest, golf.com golf channel, like those places. I, I read a lot of their work. Um, I think it's just in golf that's that's a balance that and attention that exists a lot more than in other sports. I'm not saying people are bought and paid for shills, all of them, but um, it's just attention that exists a lot more in golf.
0: Well, you've talked in the past how openly you and Andy like to take on issues with Shotgun Start. What is it about you and Andy that you feel like works so well, like your dynamic there on Shotgun Start?
1: I mean, this it's it's more of just a to carry over from like you know text messages and conversations we'd otherwise have, and it's just like I said, there's the vacuum for it right right, given the current media landscape, just having a little voice being not personal or mean about anything, but talking honestly about what we watched like you know or or presenting something that. <laughs> I mean, we try to have fun with the game more than be critical at all. I think that the bigger appeal is that we're having fun with these odds and ends and these random players who are, you know, outside the top 100 of the world. I think the audience appreciates that, but I I think, you know, it's just being, having a little authenticity, a little voice. um, And and that's all. I I don't know. We have a good chemistry. We're told, I I hate talking about ourselves. It's worked. We're happy. We have a lot of fun doing it. Sometimes it feels like a job. Sometimes it feels like a lot of work, but, it often it often doesn't so it, it's we've been we've been blessed that people have responded to it and enjoyed it and we feel like there's certainly a vacuum in uh talking about the game in that way given the, the current landscape and um you know we'll, we're going to try to continue that so
0: yes well and the spotlight's been a big thing too where you spotlighted monty or woozy or even mm-hmm. julie inkster has that dynamic been as you, as you prepared? I mean, how do you research what, what is the poor app school of research like for this?
1: Uh, it's, I don't know several days and hours and stuff, you know, time commitment. My wife probably doesn't appreciate too much. Uh, but you know, when golf went away, we had to sort of think about how we wanted to talk about golf It's a podcast that's largely revolves around pro golf happening. And there was no pro golf. Uh, I, I was, dubious of i don't know not dubious skeptical if if they would be received well or work and they were boomed, you know they were very very popular um i think because people want to hear about some of these characters right we're in a generation in our 30s where we know the names we maybe saw the tail ends of their career maybe their last few major wins things like that um and it's it's also just talking about them honestly right it's not like here are swing tips from whoever uh or ian Woosnam, here's the stories here are the great legendary stories of how he came up bailing hay and he can hit the ball a mile because he drove tractors with no power steering uh and we obviously leaned on you know incredible work a lot of it from sports illustrated vaults which like again lamenting the current media landscape those profiles aren't happening anywhere really um there are a few writers out there that are doing their best to keep it alive um uh but yeah, leaned heavily on, on a lot of the great work that was done in that day and age, whether it's Golf Digest or Sports Illustrated, like incredible profiles, incredible access, access that's not, um, you know, comes with a, maybe a, a relationship of some sort of, of, a commercial relationship of some sort. It's Jaime Diaz flying over to Spain to try and talk to Jose Maria Olofobl. Um And so anyways, it, that, that's, and th- that enabled us, we not it stood on those shoulders, it was Dependent on all that work and to kind of weave a narrative uh, podcast retelling of, of the person's career, personality, um, maybe a larger look, like 10,000 foot view at their legacy in the game. And people loved them. And it was sort of that, I guess, Crenshaw would have been the uh, the oldest, the earliest player we did. And like Ernie, the VJ would be kind of the latest players. Um, we, we kind of zeroed in on that era of guys who came up in the 80s, played a little bit in the 90s. One all you know, the Europe Big Five, that kind of era. Um, and I don't know, it's it a lot of research and it's a long podcast. I didn't know that would people want two hours on whoever, uh Davis Love or which we did with Shane Bacon, um, or or Ian Woosnam. but people ate him up and, and you know, I think it's something we can wanna to continue to do in, in the future. Just you
0: know, there's plenty, plenty of players to spotlight. Oh my gosh, man. I, well, you mentioned I mean champion sewer players, dude, that is the best beat in the world, okay? The cat's out of the box is right here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Anybody who wants to cover golf, you spend five tournaments as Champions Tour, P.J. Tour Champions, excuse me, let me get the title right. You talk to Woozy, you talk to frickin' Lyle, you talk to the top five, Longer, I mean, you name it, from the European. And then you got Ernie, as you mentioned. These are some of the best quotes in the world, in my opinion. And I mean, I've been—I've covered maybe twenty of these events over the last oh, five years. And Caves Valley, remember—they had the event at Caves mm-hmm. Valley, that major championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, is this being underrated? That tour?
1: How? I don't know about underrated. I don't know. It's—it's it's <laughs> it doesn't make any money. Doesn't have good ratings. It's completely underwritten by uh, the PGA Tour. You know, the money from the tour. i, I don't know if it's underrated. Uh, I think there's amusing storylines. We certainly have fun with it on the shotgun start. Um, uh, I think I think it has a chance to do pretty well. There's there's there were some weeks last week where I was like, wow, these are like really good featured groups, right? You got Furick playing, VJ playing. You got Davis Love the third that's eligible for it. Phil is dabbling, dipping his toe in the water. There's some like really interesting, you know, swings and talents and legends that are now kind of getting eligible for 50 and it's a different game. If you don't want to see the bomb and gouge and the, the speed wars of the PGA tour, I think there's maybe an appeal there. I don't know about underrated though. It's, it's, I think it it needs to find a balance and and maybe some of these, these players that are becoming eligible could make it more appealing. Certainly to people in their thirties, the forties. So. Yes.
0: Well, hey, listen, I don't mean to be the homer on. I'm just speaking from experience. No, yeah, yeah. I'm speaking from yeah. experience. Bernard Langer is as nice a guy for a quote as you could ask for. He'll sit down and talk Ryder Cup with him for 35 minutes at Caves Valley early in that week. And it was just unbelievable how much passion he has to talk about what it was like to be the captain, what it was like to play with Seve. You talked about Seve Jose Maria earlier. Okay, 2021, the majors. Master, you go first. Who's your pick? Uh... Masters. We can go, let's go, let's go pick, and then
1: let's go Dark Horse. Oh, Dark Horse. <laughs> I mean, I've, I suck at making picks the week of the tournament. I've, I don't, Now we're like six months out. Uh, Masters, I'll say Rory McIlroy because it's a dream scenario. I'm rooting for Rory. I want Rory. I will say he finally doesn't have that, you know, 40 on a nine mixed in somewhere in the 72 holes and wins the Masters. Dark Horse, I don't know. Adam Scott does it again. Is that a Dark Horse? I don't know. Well, however we categorize Dark Horse, we'll, we'll see wh- who's the Dark Horse, you know, three or four months from now. But uh, Adam Scott, of course, uh, always at the Mass, versus as a fine pick. How about you?
0: Mm. Well, I like what you said, Rory, the cynical, um, washed up reporter, like in all of us, right? Anybody yeah. that says Rory, you're, you're, being, a, uh, you're being an idealist. Um, I'm going to go with Daniel Berger as my number one pick. Like, boom, I'll take him. Yeah, I'll take Burger. I like Burger in Georgia this year. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> I like him there. I like him at the tour championship. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, Burger is my number one pick. And then I'm going to go with, um, I would call Sergio a dark horse because he missed okay. it a month ago. So I'm going to go Sergio's my dark horse.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Next,
0: next major. Who do you got?
1: Uh, what is the next major?
0: PGA. PGA. At, at uh, Island.
1: I'll take Tommy Fleetwood, some guy who plays in the wind, obviously plays, I assume, you know, PGA is usually reasonable and benevolent about their setups. Uh, But, you know, Kiowa can obviously be a bear, you know, when it's blowing on the seaside uh, there. I've played it. It's an ass kicker. I suck at golf. But Tommy (laughs) Fleetwood plays well uh, in tough conditions and obviously has a, you know, history of playing in the wind. So I'll take Tommy Fleetwood. I don't have a dark horse there. I have no idea. It's mid-bay. No no clue.
0: (laughs) uh kiwa you know what rory is due for a major and to go back to where he won 2012 i mean domination man i like, remember tiger had that lead it was tiger and Vijay in that final group going into the weekend and that was like what is happening there right after olympic club he had the big run at olympic early that summer but no rory is due for a major like in my opinion like we wouldn't believe so i'll go rory there and let's go to the next major let's put dark Horse out the window um us open how are you feeling about that
1: uh tory pines um I don't know. Jason Day, long player, who's succeeded at Torrey Pines in the past. We're going to get a lot of that sort of, you know, who's played well at Torrey in the past. But it's, you know, and honestly, it's probably (laughs) a different golf course, and the USGA gets its hands on it. Um, I I think it's going to be similar to like it's just it's. I think it's similar style to what worked at Wingfoot might succeed there. You know, I I think Jason Day will hit it long and gouge it, and he's played well. Um, It's a RTJ sort of. Uh, uh, got his hands on it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jason day.
0: Okay. You know, I Where went there, go? I was there as a volunteer in 2008, the first major I ever attended. I drove the whole state of California. I was down there for a week on my own dime volunteered in the, uh, merchandise pavilion and being there and seeing tiger win and beat Rocco. Like, dude, that was just like at that moment. That was my aha moment. I got to cover golf. I got to find a way. Tiger's going to win that again this year. It's gonna be another major. It's gonna be the most sentimental, amazing thing. Charlie will be down there, of course. I mean, this story is gonna blow up this sport. So okay. what do you think? I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking of the stories. I love it. I I'm not with you on that one, but I love that you're the the yeah, she's picking
0: from the heart there. I like it. I gotta wear the heart on the sleeve. Okay, so last major of the year, the Open Championship, it's gonna be Royal St. George's. Hopefully it is played, but what do, what do you got?
1: Uh, Royal St. George's. Uh, I'll go with John Rahm, right? I don't think, I think actually the, the Open's the one major he's performed the most, I don't know, middling in. He's done well at all of them. It's not to <laughs> say he's done poorly at the Open, uh, but I think maybe he'll have grown comfortable with his Callaway Irons or clubs or whatever we talked about earlier by then, uh, mid July. <laughs> Uh, He's due for a major. I will take John Rahm over in Europe.
0: I like your pick of Tommy Fleetwood to get a major, of course, early in the year. uh, Tommy is so due, and especially the Open Championship. He was in the final group in the very last Open with Shane Lowry. He's got experience. He almost won at Shinnecock in the US Open. Tougher conditions as well. I just think that he's the guy that's due uh, for a major. So I like Tommy. Speaking of my Europeans, um, oh, did I just tip my hand? What do you think about the Ryder Cup this year? Who, who do you got there? The Ryder Cup? Uh, I mean, who's going to be on the team? It's,
1: it's <laughs> it, I don't know, end of September. Uh, I'll just take Europe because that seems like a more sensible pick these days. Uh, it doesn't even matter who's on the team. It's just, you know, we could have our 12 guys could be in the top 15 in the world rankings and three of them are only from Europe or something like that. And it just, we still find a way to, I, I don't know. I, I think whistling Straits will set it up as friendly as they possibly can for the U S given, uh, what happened in France where it was not, you know, did not play to the U S strengths. Um, but I'll still, still take Europe just cause I don't know, this is an era where I need to see sustained, sustained sort of U S success before you go with anything, uh, Go with the United States. Certainly, when we're talking about it in January, go ahead.
0: Yes, I, I get it. I mean, I'm I, I'm a, I of the gun here by talking about this stuff way out. Okay, I like I, I love Europe. I, I love what they're capable of and their leadership and their captaincies and and Harrington. Mm-hmm. There's no way Harrington is going to lose. I don't care if we're on uh the Stricker's home soil. There's no way that Captain Harrington will let this lose. Just no way in the world. I got to ask you, though, European – I I believe the European Ryder Cup team, Brendan, is the Mm -hmm. greatest story in golf in the top two greatest stories in golf in the last quarter century in terms of what it means to the game, to the sport, the passion of the European team, the collective passion. The way they could take down Tiger in his prime, Phil in his prime, doesn't matter. The collective strength – what do you think about that? 2012, I, I look at Medina. And all these American fans are want to be crybabies about it and say, "Oh, this is not oh what we lost." So, it's one of the greatest sporting events that's ever happened in the game. What, 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 how do you react to this?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's certainly elevated itself as maybe the best event in golf, um, and that is not in large part. It's almost exclusively due to Europe's. Uh, making it so competitive. You're, you know, whipping our ass, to be honest with you. Um, It it makes it more, certainly engages the United States more the United States fan more. Um, I I think they just have it pitch perfect right now in terms of days, matches, who's eligible. Like, it's just, it's like a really, really good event that I hope they never tinker with, quite honestly interval, how often they play it. Um, It's a great story. It's a great story. I think they have it right. Um, and, And a lot of that's due to Europe the, the European program or machine or process whatever you want to call it there they really really means a lot it means as much maybe or more than major championships for a lot of these guys getting points getting you know put up on the wall as part of that story that European Ryder Cup story of the last maybe even 30 years whatever it would be 2000 kind of 2001 in there um I think, like, it just means a lot, and I, I love it. It's, it's one of the – it's maybe the best event. I, I think it could be even better than the Masters, especially in golf, and, and so much of that is due to Europe's approach, Europe's attitude, Europe's enthusiasm for it.
0: Yes. So. Yeah, I wholly agree. I think uh, just seeing the, the way they played. I mean, winning in Paris I, – I talked to Sergio about that. He said that moment, being the all-time Ryder Cup leader with that win over over Fowler on, on the singles was just – that's his moment, man. Like he clings to that. So, mm-hmm. hey, let me ask you this. We're gonna let you go in a second, but um Cleveland Browns, bro. I mean, <laughs> how fired up are you? St. Ignatius high school, a grad from Cleveland, Ohio. How does it feel to have him in the playoffs finally?
1: Uh, very it's great. I mean, I'm I'm fired up. It was nerve wracking Sunday. I don't know, you know. Uh, we won 10 games, whether we won or lost and we, on Sunday, we ended up with 11. So it was going to be a successful season either way. But it just felt right. We felt like we've been good enough and competitive. We didn't sneak in or anything like that. Uh, but I'm fired up. You know, I was a sophomore in college, I think the last time they made it and I have, you know, four kids married and all that. So it's been a long time. Um, so it's exciting. I don't know that we're to knock off the Steelers in in their first in their playoff game but I think we can be competitive at least I think we'll get some guys back it's it's just it's it's good it's good to be back in the dance you know for a proud franchise that hasn't had uh too much to pride itself on since it came back in 99 so fired up
0: absolutely well hey as we wrap up golf media um for you the friendships we all make in golf is is pretty awesome you mentioned Jaime Diaz he's a good friend of mine um there are so many Tim Rose support was a great friend of mine before he retired who comes to mind for you? it just people you've met through covering golf. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of my best friends or closest friends are, are came through golf, you know, and it's certainly a lot of these digital people. A lot of people came up on digital media. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, the no lamp guys, Andy Johnson, Kevin van Valkenburg of ESPN. Uh, there's so many, I don't want to leave people, Kyle Porter. I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. A lot of my closest friends are people who we've been on the road, or we've been covering, we're covering similar subjects, and I think that's great. I mean, we're competitors of sort, but uh, I I don't view it like that at all. And fortunately, the others haven't to the way it's gotten the you know to the point where it's gotten in the way of friendship. So yeah, it, it's been a cool aspect of the golf beat for sure over the last decade or so.
0: It's big time for sure, man. Well, hey, Brendan, great to hang out here for a little bit and do some uh, long form prognostications, eight months, 10 <laughs> months out in some cases. That's fun.
1: It's fun to do. I just <laughs> don't take my word for it. That's all. I love
0: doing it. It's just I, who knows? So, Sounds good, bro. Great to catch up. You can follow him on Twitter at Brendan Porath. And yeah, enjoy 2021, bro. We'll, we'll catch up soon.
1: Thanks so much. Really appreciate it, Kara. Thanks for the opportunity to have me on.
0: All right, my thanks to Brendan Porath, dude. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed uh, putting him on the spot for these tournaments that aren't going to happen for eight months, and you know who's going to win the Ryder Cup. I mean, come on, who does that, right? Now, listen, I love putting him on the spot and getting his predictions. And here's the thing: you're you're going to see videos on Instagram, on Twitter, um, the next few days. But also, once these majors come up, <laughs> we're going to see what did Garrett pick, what did Brendan pick for those major championships. But keep an eye on that Instagram at Garrett Johnson at beyond the clubhouse as well twitter check me out uh, johnston garrett let me see if i can remember my own name and then also at beyond clubhouse we're gonna have a lot of good video content here these next few days uh with brendan and some of the predictions we went through and some of just the the comments about golf where we're at right now uh so it's a lot of fun hope you enjoyed it this is a blast uh brendan's a really good dude so We'll catch up again soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse. I've got some more fun guests coming up, and uh, let's let's catch up again soon.